Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and joining me this week... No, no, before we get there, I've got to address you directly. I've got to address him directly, okay? I'm not trying to pull you, even though I would like to. Yes, you are really fit. You are fit, but my gosh, don't you know it, don't you, Stu? I do. It's the way that I live my life. I just try and influence people with my beauty the entire time. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't work, but, you know, I give it a go. Yes. Um, it was come to the stark realisation that we know now, though, the streets done two songs last night <laughs> that I've heard of. Um, and I went, there's my intro. <laughs> What's your other one? Is it Dry Your Eyes, mate? Yes, that's the only other one I've heard yeah, them yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, but, yeah, I went... I've been struggling for an intro all week. I don't plan these. So anyone's listening, I don't plan these. Stu has no idea what's coming. Nope. (laughs) No, none at all. We don't rehearse any of it, in all fairness. But I kind of look for influences throughout the week of what could be my intro. And I was really struggling. Uh, We uh, was in bed and um, Lo wanted to ask for a song on the uh, Amazon Echo. I won't say it because she'll boot up. Um, Not Lo, the thingy. And... She got the wrong one. She asked for Hey There Delilah by the streets. I was like, that's not who does it. I went, but let's do Dry Your Eyes, mate. And she she went, oh, did they ever do anything else? And I went, I don't know. And then <laughs> we listened to her and went, oh my God, yes, that one. I know what I'm introducing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No, I like um, the album that, that he did, the first one. I liked it. And I can't remember any of the songs off it except the you famous say, ones. You say album, more like an audio book. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, my intro was probably more musical than, than the Streets album. Oh, shots fired. No, no, I joke, but there's a lot of talking. They do talk a lot of their lyrics. They do. They and do. I like it. It's charming. Yes. It's very particular. You wouldn't just... Well, I'm speaking for other people now, but you probably wouldn't pack your record collection with that kind of thing. But having the odd one there, here and there is fine. And if they made money from that, then fair enough. Fair play to them, is what I say. Too right. Too um, right. Man's got to earn. Yeah, it's niche. Talking of niche, do you know what else can be niche? What? Movies. No, oh, video yeah. games. Oh. Video games. They're like movies, but you press buttons. Um, so what buttons have you been pressing this week Stu I've been pressing a lot of buttons but um, the main sort of ones of interest were first off Forza Motorsport 7 the PC version and specifically the PC version because it's been out on Game Pass for ages and I had to go of it on my One X and thought it was alright not all that bothered but I decided to have a go of it on my PC and that means I can use the wheel and with the wheel, it's like a completely different game. I mean, which sounds like, well, duh. But <clears throat> I was talking to my friend Mike the other day, who was saying, you know, he played uh, Forza Horizon 4 uh, with the with the wheel and it was rubbish compared to the pad. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, I think I agree with that. So they don't all work with the wheel very well, but 7 really does. And it's just been a fantastic experience. It's been kind of somewhere between, you know, the Ferrari game on the Dreamcast and uh, probably, I don't know, Race Driver Grid, perhaps. Um, Just those were the sort of feels I was getting from it. And I just really like it, the the difference in the cars and the weight distribution and speed, sense of speed. It's just great. And, you know, 
the only problem I have with it is the problem I have with a lot of racing games is that I've played the tracks just so many times, like Laguna Seca and you know Suzuka and you know, just all of it. You've just played them all a billion times. But it, it, that said, it's it's just fantastic. I've, I've never really got into seven. I think my main foray into the Forza series was probably Forza's two, three, and four. Uh, I used to do forum races and, and things like that. And then for whatever reason, I think I just bounced because I'd lost my will um, or had to sell my will. I stopped playing like the sim, like the proper sim races. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but they, I, I, I do, they are good. They do what they're meant to do. But I still think playing them like in single player, even with a will, they feel dull. They don't have the excitement that it does either in multiplayer with friends where everyone's taking it seriously enough that it's competitive, but not so seriously that if you make a mistake, you get like called out for all sorts. Um, but also, you're not for the people just trying to ram you off the road for the sake of it. Um, and that's where the excitement comes in. But I, I, I just find them very sterile in single player. I'm kind of the opposite, really. I, I don't generally like multiplayer experiences. I'm not very competitive at sports and stuff like that. I prefer things that are cooperative. And yeah, uh, that it doesn't suit me. Um, but I understand what you mean. Uh, you know, getting people together with like minds and, and playing something is not always the best experience, but it's often often the best experience, especially with like a repetitive task type game yeah. like driving. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would often finish in like forum races near the back of the pack, except for Suzuka. Suzuka, I win. Fair enough. Fair that's enough. My, that's my track. That's the one I know. I, I'll go into that in any racing game and perform because I know that track so well. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. down to the aforementioned Ferrari F355 challenge on Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah. Which does come back to what I was saying about it's a shame that there aren't more made-up tracks. It's the problem that they have with um, you know, with FIFA, with, with football games, people wanting, oh, I want all the latest players. And it's like, well, I'm not bothered, really. Just give me a load of randoms with, with stats. Um, and it's like, yeah, just give me a load of tracks that you've built yourself that I've never seen before, you know, uh, instead of just having the same ones over and over. But I think I'm probably in the minority on that one. Um, I don't know. It's a bit... I mean, I've always argued, not always argued, but I've often thought that uh, maybe they should do like track editors, proper track editors in like the like the Gran Turismo's and your Forza Motorsports and your R Factors and things like that. But one of the things I noticed is when you've got anything that's got an editor in something real life, so you look at like the PGA Tour games or the golf club as they were known before, what generally happens, you get a few test ones that people have done that are generally rubbish and then someone somewhere's done a perfect recreation of a real life course um, that's not yeah. in the game officially yeah. already yeah. and it's the same with tracks I think people try and just go okay this track isn't in there I'll make it and that's what you get and they get played more than the fantasy tracks uh, which is a shame but I agree with you I, I, I like user generated content on stuff like that it's why trials i think for a period was so good because the user generated stuff was amazing yeah but, yeah yeah i get what you mean um i i agree to a degree but i think it's always hard then to slot those into a cur- proper like season 
or yeah. you know progression it's just like oh I'll play this one off track and it's like yeah that's fine but I want the developers to have made them all I, you know I yeah. want it like Ridge Racer it's like there's no reason why you know having um, an arcade driving game means you create fake tracks for it and you create a sim and they're all real that doesn't make any sense to me it's just like you know have real tracks in in ridge racer and have completely made up tracks in your sim you know why be so rigid about it so yeah i'd like to see the developers being tasked with that to be honest with you yeah yeah no totally agree i mean it is a shame because i with faults like gran turismo i find that either the ai in it are either too good and they just bugger off because you haven't got a good enough car or you're too good and there's no race it's just time trialing they never seem to balance the races properly because you can kind of upgrade your car and go, right, it's better than everyone else now. So off I go. Yeah. It's why I really prefer the likes of Grid, um, even though they're a bit more, uh, not even arcade sim. They're, they're, they're simcade ones, aren't they? But they're all designed to keep all the racing together. It's why I prefer the Formula One games to like Forza as well, because you get a natural sense of the proper balance and everything like that. And honestly, I still don't think for a single-player experience, the original Toka Touring Cars, Toka 2, and the story-based Toka Race Driver have ever been bettered in terms of here's the excitement of the racing. You actually feel like you're in a battle in every single race and that there's consequences for your actions and, and so on. I honestly do not think they've ever been bettered. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. I think what, you know, I agree with you. I think what the gap is, the problem that they've not really solved is you want the AI to be, you know, flawed. You want them to make human error because what they do is they just, they take the corners perfectly, you know. Uh, They drive mechanically, (laughs) ironically enough. And it's like, well, that doesn't happen in real life. You know, you want them to, you want to see an AI driver who just becomes amazing and does everything right. And you're like, oh, beat me fair and square. But you also want to see those who take corners too fast and and spin out and, you know, ram into the back of other players and, and trash both of their runs and stuff like that. And you just don't. It just It's just, oh, well, you know, the AI always takes these corners perfectly. If you knock down the difficulty, they just drive slower. So... I mean, someone should make a, a board game, call it like, I don't know, Dragsters and Drafters or something like that, where you, you go and every time you hit a corner, it's a dice roll that decides, do you take it perfectly? Do you maybe get a not the right angle or do you make silly mistakes and stuff like that with obviously more chance of getting it taken well? a 1 in 20 chance of taking it perfectly, a 1 in 20 chance of spinning out, that kind of thing. It doesn't feel like there's that in a video game. It doesn't feel like there's enough RNG for the opposition. Yeah, I get you, yeah. You're right. Yeah, whereas I think if you had more like every corner was a dice roll for the AI, it'd feel more real. Well, you'd be pleased to hear that there is a board game like that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can't remember what it's called now. Formula or something, I think, but um, a German there's Robo game. Rally, isn't there as well? There is Robo um, Rally, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. It's it'd be interesting. I, maybe um, I don't know a roguelike dice roll based racing game on on PC. Someone could do that. Why not? I think you know it's worth an experiment with it. See if it's any fun. Lewis Hamilton's RPG dice adventure. 
I would buy that for the title alone, even though I I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a Lewis Hamilton fan. Oh, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Mansell's, there we go. Nigel Mansell, oh wow. Go back uh, 30 years. Yeah, but he had that like, That car was iconic though. He's a um, blue, yellow, camel, Formula One, Renault, Williams was, ah, oh, that was iconic to me. Well, that's the problem. The, the branding for cigarettes is fantastic. It's just that it's for a terrible <laughs> yeah. product. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic, you know, it works because it made me want to smoke when I was younger. <laughs> I loved the John Player special car, the black and gold. Oh, yeah. I was obsessed. Yeah, it's, yeah, they were iconic. The Rothmans, when they ended up, they, they uh, William switched from Cabell to Rothmans and so did I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how manipulated we are by these things. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and oh, the Benton Hedge, you see, they, they got creative. Obviously, you had countries that started banning cigarette advertising, but it wasn't the world over, so cigarette advertising was still massive. Kids today won't understand just how big tobacco advertising was. Oh, but yeah. you had the Jordan, which was sponsored by Benton and Hedges, that when they went to countries that banned tobacco advertising, um, done something else. So, like, I remember the one where they had the Hornet on the card, just called it Buzzing and Hornet instead of Benson and Hedges and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> they got so creative with it. I don't think the cars these days, they look nice, but they're not creative. There's no creativity. The only iconic car still left on the grid for me is the Ferrari. Ah, uh, is it the. Re- I remember what you see, I'm not into motor- motorsport, but. I remember there's a red, is there a Red Bull one that's kind of green and blue and yellow and got the the Bull logo on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, it's the same. Anything Red out. Bull. It's, I wouldn't call yeah. it iconic though. It's just oh yeah, it's Red Bull. It's like that with <laughs> okay. all their stuff. Um, yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's you know even the Ferrari. If, if someone asked me to name uh, to point out a, a name a Ferrari livery from days past or like any time in Formula One, I'll go oh the Marlboro Ferraris. Because it, again, yeah. the the red and white, it was oh, it was so iconic. Yeah, it was. It's the same as like when I I can't listen to because of Formula. But I know we've gone way off subject from Faults to Seven. But it's an old game. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> true, uh, it's true. But I can't. I still cannot listen to the German national anthem with it finishing as the German national anthem finishes. It needs the Italian national anthem to follow it. Because most of my formative years of watching Formula One was watching my sporting hero, Michael Schumacher, win. So you had the German followed by the Italian. Ah, right. Yeah. Like most races. flows into it. Yeah. It's like listening to um, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights by Meatloaf, where the second, third, the final third of that song is just completely different to the first two thirds. Oh, very good. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ, my brain goes off in places. Yeah, and when your brain goes off into places, sometimes you want to play a game that suits that mood. So what game have you been playing, Segway? Ah, oh, well, it is a Segway, and it, it, my brain doesn't go off in places with this one, ironically enough. I have been playing a game called Deepest Chamber. Now, stop me if you've heard this one before. Oh, I, can, rogue... I can see where this is going already. Go on, go on, go on. What do you think I've been playing? It's a roguelike car game with, with, you know, RNG, blah, 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 indie, indie title. Yeah, you pretty much covered my notes there. It's a roguelike <laughs> deck builder. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> the, I, right, so roguelike deck builders, I, I do enjoy them. I, I'm not going to lie, but I I think between sort of like Slay the Spire, Cardaclysm, Carpocalypse... 
um, Monster Train, uh, numerous others. I think I've played most of what they have to offer now. So I, it's very hard to find one that comes in and does something new. And therein lies the issue with Deepest Chamber. It's a good game. Um, but all I can really say about it is if you've played Slay the Spire, there you go. There, there's your game. Um, you get what the game is just by saying Slay the Spire. Yeah. Same sort of progression. So you sort of start and you go through various chambers in this one. And then you've got these doors that you have to choose to go through, which choose your path. Some might have you doing sort of like just normal bog standard battles. Some might have you taking on elites. Some might offer you some kind of reward or some kind of um, of punishment, depending on what you do. After every round, you get a reward and you get to pick a new card or not pick a new card if you don't want to, to build your deck up, etc., etc. Progressing as you go to get better and better and better. Yeah exactly the same as State of Spire. Looks a bit different. It looks more inspired graphically by um by Darkest Dungeon. Um but this is why I want to talk about it more than anything. It's kind of got PS2 era 3D graphics for some of the models. Right. And I mean that in a good way. So they're not that low polygon PS1 era. But they're not that kind of weird, horrible, um, uncanny valley of PS3 era models. It's got that PS2 aesthetic, and I really, really like it. You get to see your enemies and stuff, but your your representation, you kind of get various different builds that you can do and abilities based on what cards now get. You don't get to see yourself um, or your, your character, but you see the opposition. Um, and it's, it works really well. It's got really good solid card mechanics to it, and it has a few subtle differences to Slay the Spire that makes it, I think, well worth a go if you've like rinsed Slay the Spire for everything it's worth. So, what what you've got in there is you've got some very interesting card types. But what I really liked was the block system. So in Slay the Spire. If you put some block cards down, you'll get like four shield, for example, added. And then you add another one, you might get seven shield for that turn alone. At the end of that turn, if it isn't damaged by the by your your enemy, it goes. So it just it disappears. In here, it doesn't. It decays. So if you put on 10 block in your go and the enemy decides instead it's going to buff, itself and doesn't do it you don't lose that 10 block you might lose one or two so it decays over time um which i found a, a much better mechanic because it meant what i could do was actually use blocking as a viable tool so if i knew or felt that my my enemy was going to be doing some buffs or doing some state like some healing or something like that for a couple of rounds i could build my block up so when it then tries to hit me with a bigger attack i've got enough block that it's not just going to wipe me out so i felt it offered something that bit different without having to sort of get the special abilities that allow you to keep block for that round so it's, again it does enough different that it's worth playing but apart from that it doesn't do enough for me to stand out that i would say go out and get it you know even if you're still playing slay the spire or monster trade or whatever go out and get it but if you're just after more of the same, yeah, does everything pretty much spot on. Just, I think it's become such a crowded genre now that I don't know what can be done to to stand out. 
Yeah, it needs to be put aside for a few years, I think, doesn't it? And then some revolutionary come along in a few years' time and go, oh, I've got this new mechanic I can add to it that will revolutionise it. But it's just iterating on the same thing over and over, which is not good for most people. No, but what I will say in the Deepest Chambers' favour, what I've, I had a little look at their marketing and stuff like that. They're not coming out with a, hey, check out our game, it changes the world. Oh my God, we're so different. It's pretty much, I get the feeling they've gone, hey, just more of the same, innit? <laughs> and that's fine. I don't mind more of the same if that's what you tell me it is. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Because you know when you get a game comes out and goes, oh my God, it's a Halo beater or oh my God, it's a Mario killer and stuff like that. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Go, yeah, do you know what? We liked Mario, so we thought we'd do something like it. We liked Halo, so we thought we'd do a, a, a sci-fi based F- FPS. So, yeah, just just lean into it. I'll just go look. We just liked the game and wanted to make our own. Yep, that's no, fine. That's fair enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they can do that. I won't buy them, but they can do it. No, I will. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> cool. So yeah, no. Moving on from cards, I'm expecting you haven't played a a roguelike deck builder. Uh, funnily enough no I've gone nowhere near any of them and <laughs> for good reason because I just uh, stuff like that just really doesn't click I've tried really really hard but you know it's good it's good to know your own taste and to know when yeah. to just stay away it doesn't mean that they're crap it just means that I don't personally like them and I've been playing something that could not be further away from that it just it literally couldn't <laughs> because that is Donkey Konga 2 <laughs> on the GameCube <laughs> so uh, for those who don't know... It's a roguelike drumming game. <laughs> yes, a roguelike drumming game. Oh, no, please don't, because somebody will do that now. But <laughs> oh, I don't want that to happen. You're telling me if someone made a roguelike drumming game using the Donkey Konga uh, bongos, you wouldn't play it? <laughs> uh, maybe just for just so that we could talk about it on here. But <laughs> I've got Donkey Konga Jungle Beat, which is the, the platformer yeah um that uses it i just uh, nah i can't stand it it's a good idea and i applaud them for trying it but i just could not stand it i really couldn't but donkey konga 2 the the regular you know beating a drum to the sounds of the music yeah, yeah. is fantastic you know like taiga no tatsuji you know pronounced correctly yes um, the drumming one <laughs> the drumming one with the little um, weird drum dogs that's right yeah you got it but uh yeah no so for those who don't know it you have a pair of bongos. I've been playing with my bongos all week. Uh, so they've got a lovely know, pair of bongos. Oh, thank you very much. And um, they're just what sort of obviously that you know, as you'd understand, they're a set, so there's two. Um, but what sort of what makes it stand out a bit is that there's a microphone in the middle because you know it's Nintendo and um, you, it picks up claps, you know, when you clap your hands like the, the DS and other the, of their devices does mm-hmm. so when you play in the game when you you're matching the patterns like you do with any rhythm action game you can do uh so you have to like tap on both in in rhythm you have to tap on them individually you have to do like those syncopated fast beats as well and you can do them either with both yeah and sometimes you have to do them only on one but you also do these claps in between so it's like you know tapping along and then clapping and I, just having that little difference of doing the, the clap in between 
you know, adds a, a dimension to it, and you know, it never takes it past being a very basic game, but it does it does make it more fun. Although your hands absolutely kill by the end of it, even though the the sensitivity of the microphone is really good, just the act of clapping is is surprisingly wearing on the hands. <laughs> so uh, you can't play it in massive long sessions. It's more of a short burst game, but you know, it's really good. It's it's great fun. Yeah, no, I I, I played that when I was. Um... A few, well, not when I was younger, a few years ago when I, I had access to a, a GameCube. Uh, yeah, it is a fun game. Um, unfortunately, all I was trying to do there was resist making a joke about having the clap because you said the clap way hey. too many times, especially <laughs> after playing with your bongos. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I deserve an award for not jumping in. You kind of do. That's very restrained. I know. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's, a, it's an interesting game. I can't do rhythm games at all. Um, I, I Space Channel Five couldn't play it. The what's it? Elite Beat Agents enjoyed it, but it was rubbish. All, all stuff like that. I can't play the um, Crypt of the Necro Dance or Cadence of Hyrule, even though I've if I've bought them, like I bought Crypt of the Necro Dancer three times. I don't know why I can't play it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Donkey Kong, Donkey Konga Two, or whatever the, the GameCube ones that I played. I think because they are so simple, I got on with them more than any others. Yeah, and just having the physical drama, I think, really helps. It adds something. I know we went through a, a, a phase where everything was a plastic toy added to it or, or plastic peripheral, but I think there's something about those those bongos that they felt good. Um, like my son, when we went to Spain, got a, like a, a bongo off the market, like a single bongo, and. The, the quality of that, like a proper bongo, compared to what that Nintendo was, wasn't far off. Apart from the fact they were plastic around the edges and this one was wooden, the actual material on top felt very similar to a proper bongo. And I think that really did help. Whereas like the guitars and stuff in Rock Band and Guitar Hero, they're not guitars. You're still just pressing buttons. Whereas this, you're doing what the actual act is. Yes, yeah, it does make a big difference. Yeah, I, I like the way you see that. The, the, I, th- I find the Guitar Hero stuff and Rock Band really clever, and I really love those mm-hmm. because they kind of get a compromise between actually playing the instrument and just, in inverted commas, playing a video game. Yeah. You know, in a really, really good way that makes this hybrid. I think if anyone tried to argue that it was like playing a real guitar, they'd be talking out of their what's it. But, you know, just that the kind of the feel and the actions, it's like, you know, it's imitating them in a really, really good way. Um, but yeah, the bongo thing, you're actually playing the bongos. You are genuinely yeah. doing what it is that you would do in real life, just like with Taika Natsu's in. That's a tough one. Uh, so, you know, it, that's got a real. But you know, pleasure to it in and of itself, kind of like using a steering wheel for games. But um, yeah, no, I've got a big thing about using peripherals like that because they're really part of a gaming experience that has gradually sort of faded out. Um, mm. And I'll be talking about it a lot more in the coming weeks because I've got a couple of projects on the go that are about that. So please yes. tell me you've got Beat Mania. I haven't got Beat Mania. I, I have like, lots of opportunities to get it, but I've not actually got it. Uh, so, yeah. Have you played Beat Mania? Yes. Yeah. Uh, when I worked in a video shop, we got it in for rental, and I played a lot of that behind the desk on quiet mornings. <laughs> I I know it's probably not a great, great game to some people, but it's my favourite plastic toy peripheral 
game out there. Yeah, some of them really click with you. I really loved, um, yeah, the the rock band stuff and Guitar Hero. I loved the Taiko game. I love Donkey Konga with the bongos. And I really liked from the sort of the press, just the pressy button ones, a big fan of uh, what's called uh, Theatre of the Final Fantasy. Really enjoyed that because it's good and also it's got all the Final Fantasy music in it. And uh, also, what else did I really love? Oh, uh, Guitar Man, of course. Of course. Um, And Cool Cool Tune, which is a Japanese only Dreamcast game that's in a similar vein to Guitar Man. And. uh, yeah, really fantastic. So, yeah, some of them are just fan- fantastic stuff. Fair enough. So, from playing music and beating your bongos, I've been doing something a bit different to that. Go on. I've been defending my garden. Ah. <laughs> from yeah. rot. Um, I've been playing Garden Story, which is a game I never expected. Um, garden Story, I expected essentially Stardew Valley, a clone of Stardew Valley. Right. Or Golf Story or something like that. It was like, especially it has it's the same pixel art, top-down pixel art style. Um, so I was expecting like a farming sim type thing, but using gardens. I was like, oh, look, you're trying to differentiate yourself. Yeah, no. No, what you've actually got is an action-adventure game with a heavy focus on combat. Ah. <laughs> no, I did not expect that either. No. Um, so you take on the role of Concord, who is the guardian of the grove. And you, you set you out quite linear, blah, 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 stuff happens. And then you have you kind of go back and you're then put in charge with restoring and protecting the village, town, whatever it was. I can't remember. And basically the main gameplay loop is a section of defend, build and forage. Um, so you're defending with combat against the rot and various different enemies. You need to build up the village and everything to sort of like get it back to where it was. But you also need to go out and gather resources to help you build. Um, Stuff like that. It reminds me, the combat focus of it, but with the other stuff, reminds me a lot of Atomic Crops, uh, which is a game I've spoke about on here before. And I absolutely adored. Now, what I will say from the outset, preferred Atomic Crops. Just going to say that. I think because it was more laser focused on what it was doing than than garden story is and i'll come to why in a second but what i liked about garden story is it had clear signposting of its objectives now with a lot of games that have this such as stardew valley which is obviously excellent uh the story of seasons games harvest moon in the past and and, and stuff like that even animal crossing is that I never think the objectives are clearly signposted enough at times. Yeah. Which I think can become an issue. Uh, But this has very clear signposting in terms of this is what you need to do today. And you kind of get your tasks and you go and do them. And if you do them, you, you get your sort of like rewards for it and do it. But if you fail, you can't do them again for that day. And... It goes on and goes on. And if you keep failing, you kind of get to a point where it becomes very difficult to complete the game. Um, It doesn't make that clear to start with, but overall it does. You kind of get the idea that you can't keep failing because you can't repeat anything. Once you've died or failed in a task, that's it, gone. But overall, I think the signpost is really good. For someone like me with ADHD, 
it's really good because it gives me a clear indication daily of go and do this. It doesn't build them up, so you're not then left with maybe 18 different tasks to try and keep on top of. It's three per day. Don't do them. They're gone. Really good. Really like that. Really That's difficult game. Mm-hmm. Um, the bosses are really interesting to start with, and you have various different ways of taking them down. But then, unfortunately, as you get further, they're more just the same, which is a bit disappointing. But they are difficult and satisfying to beat, which is really, really good. And in it, you kind of you find these memories, quote unquote memories, uh, which you can unlock, and they give you various different ability tweaks. And it's quite cleverly implemented. It works within the story of the game, which I found really, really good. So the the big issue, and the reason I mentioned sort of like the why I preferred Atomic Crops to this is I think because I went in expecting something Stardew Valley-like and it tries to implement that as best it can. Some of the building and um, the foraging stuff and the, the, the management side of it feels a bit tacked on but still integral to the game at the same time, which is really odd in itself. Whereas Atomic Crops, I said the individual elements worked in that gameplay loop where you kind of like done this, done that, fault, went back, done this, done that, fault, back and repeated that. So that loop was there the entire time. You would upgrade, but that loop was still there. Off you go. Wasn't quite the same with this. Now, what that makes for is... Because of the Stardew Valley feel and comparing it to Tommy Crops, I think I wanted more from this game than what it ever decided it was going to offer. Um, and it's more on me that I found these little flaws with the game, just minor little flaws that didn't ruin the experience, didn't destroy it. I still enjoyed it, but got me irritated at times, which is a shame because it does, looking at it all logically, it does everything as it should and makes a really good game. But I just think the look of it, having played Atomic Crops first and expecting something completely different, it wasn't the wow experience that it possibly could have been to maybe someone going into this sort of game for the first time. Ah, oh, fair enough. Yeah, sounds like it's, you know, again, fairly solid, but not completely exceptional, which, like you say, it's okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, you might take or leave. Yeah. Yeah, but it brings to an interesting point of where indie games are at the moment and i'm going to talk about another game afterwards again um that that's um kind of falls into this is indie games have got to a point now where i think people are expecting too much from them yeah if you look at various discussions of um game pass for example and all the indies are going on there like the ascent got an absolute bashing because it wasn't changing the world it was like but it's a fantastic game i really enjoyed it it's there's something about it. it for me it's a special game it's right up there still for one of my games of the year but that's me that's my personal opinion i get that others won't like it i don't expect everyone to like every single game that that's fine but there seems to be if an indie game's being built up and it doesn't meet expectations then everyone will pile in oh it's not good enough 12 minutes is another example apparently it's quite a marmite game and it doesn't live up to some of the hype. I've not played it yet, so I'm not going to comment too much on that. Yeah. Then with AAA games, people seem to be more forgiven as those. It almost seems to be there's like a role reversal in how people look at games. We can forgive the the game that's gone like 
six million dollars over budget and force people into sort of like stupidly horrible working conditions to try and get out a buggy piece of mess we can forgive that and you're getting people going oh is it time to forgive cd project red for cyberpunk no no it's really not um but i can forgive an indie game that's maybe the developers have got a bit overexcited with what they're trying to do and it doesn't quite live up to that as i said you look back at um just this earlier in this podcast where i spoke about deepest chamber it's not changing the world it is more of the same but that's fine but i get a feeling if this was launched day one on game pass you'd get the oh this isn't slayed a spy well why would you oh it's not as good and it's it's frustrating now indie games seem to be having to either hit it perfectly out the park or they're considered failures which is a shame yeah i i suppose possibly you know like you say because because they're on game pass and it's such a big you know it's such a, a big content repository and and there's such a big deal made about yeah we curate this you know list and they're they're the ones that we selected and and stuff and they've got that visibility now there's there's that there's kind of like well you know you've got no excuse they should be good it's like well eh, should they you know they don't have to be brilliant they're still from indie creators and the other bit might just be because you know there's that bias of oh well if you're an indie creator you can create whatever you want. You're not restricted by all these, you know, what the publisher wants and, and all of that and trying to trying to fit in with the market. You, you, it's a passion project. And it's like, well, you know, for some people, but, you know, not not all, not by any means. They've still got to make some money. They've got to yeah. throw in stuff that's going to appeal to people so that they actually buy it. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about flawed games? I play most of the ones I play are flawed games because uh, the only ones that are polished tend to be the ones where they've they've already kind of found all the pitfalls and they've you know they've ironed them all out and smoothed them all over and uh, you know they're just iterating on that and I say just it's still a big deal but it's it's why I don't really bother with triple A's it's not because I have any strong dislike for the for the games necessarily it's just i look at them and i'm kind of like oh you know yeah that's a bit that's a bit bland i've played all it's, those things it's homogenized now isn't yeah, it homogenized, that, yeah homogenized yeah whereas i yeah i like games that try and do something uh they're flawed the ascent is flawed i'm not going to deny the ascent is flawed for example but the overall experience is great and i can forgive the flaws yeah i can't forgive the flaws on the game where going oh yeah we've seen this many times over the past decade and it's just been iterated on how have you buggered this up so badly yeah um because you've overhyped it as a triple a because you know people are going to pre-order it you made the witcher people are going to order it so it doesn't matter too much and yeah you announce it too early because you want to get those pre-orders in indie games to a degree don't do that i've got a feeling the hollow knight silks on I've got a feeling might get a bit of a backlash. Yeah. Because I think people are well overhyping what that game is, which is a really, really, really good Metroidvania. I don't know what else they're expecting from Silkson, apart from more of the same. I don't know what Silkson can do that's going to make it change the world. And I think a lot of people are expecting a world-changing game from the sequel. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of people who just pretty much want the same thing again just more of it more content you know which is fine it's not a criticism but then there are people who kind of don't know what they want and it's not just about games you know star wars the the last three films really suffered from it yeah in that you know 
what people expected from it. Their expectations were just wild. And it's like that with Silk Song, I think. I, I didn't even... I didn't really get on with Hollow Knight. I didn't... I felt that the signposting wasn't very good, um, which is a real frustration because you spend ages just trawling back and forwards. And I didn't like the fact that you didn't really have any different weapons or abilities. It was kind of one kind of all the way through. But I recognised it was a good game. But, yeah. you know, yeah, I think... I think, yeah, if they addressed the flaws that it had, that the first game had, then it could end up being really, really fabulous. But, like you say, it's not... Even if they do that, it's still not going to be anything particularly new. No, and it's brilliant. Don't give me a Hollow Knight is brilliant. But I still don't think it's a, the best in class. I still think while the best in class and doesn't get talked about enough these days is Shadow Complex. Um, yeah. And I'll talk about yeah. that maybe another time. Um, I know that, I mean, it's like comparing sort of like apples to oranges to a degree because they are, even though they're in the same genre, they're completely different games. Um, but I didn't find Hollow Knight to be the best metroidvania i've ever played which is how it is described but i'm okay for other people to have that opinion but again we're building up an indie game just because one was successful that the next one i can't see how it can't it's going to fail in terms of um reception i think i don't know i don't know i hope not because again i'd like to see more games or more indie developers get pushed onto that higher level pedestal into what they can produce yeah, yeah, it does. It does have some challenges coming. I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, have you been playing any others, or shall I quickly jump onto my last one? Yeah, go for your last one. So the other game I've played is another indie game, um, and it's a 3D puzzle platformer called The Seed of Life. I don't know why I took this one. In all fairness, it kind of when I first started playing it, it was kind. Of, this isn't my sort of game. I don't really do 3D platformers. I don't know why, I've just never really got on with them perfectly well. There's some that I can really enjoy, but I was like, I don't know why I took this, but I did. And overall, it's an interesting game. So you play someone called Cora, who is the last survivor of a world called Lumia. And it's a basically, it's a dying planet and you need to save it by rekindling, you'll get this, the seed of life from the title. Okay. Yeah, so it's a very simple 3D puzzle platformer. Basically, you're, you, you, you kind of get on these like petal flower type things and you'll see that there's um, like a pattern you need to match and you turn them to try and match the pattern and that's how you then unlock a bit and go further forward into the game and, and so on. And it's kind of like a, ironically mentioned in Hollow Knight, it was almost a perfect segue. It's somewhat of a Metroidvania light so you kind of unlock bits to get to other areas. Um, there's And there's a lot of backtracking, a lot of backtracking within <laughs> this game. Yeah. Um, um, and it starts off fairly linear in nature. So there's a, a lot of sort of like, okay, you follow it, follow it, follow it, and then you get to a more open environment. And then it kind of goes, off you go. It's up to you now. And the guidance within the game isn't very ADHD friendly. So what it expects from you as the player is to recognise where you've been and remember what the the natural markers are within that area. So almost you're doing some actual orienteering, which is, if you want to do orienteering, that's fine. I don't want that in a puzzle platformer game. 
personally. Yeah. Um, there's a reliance yeah. on, like, you kind of meet characters in the game and they, they tell you stuff and you've got to remember that because it doesn't repeat. And it's really weird. So you've got to remember that. Now, for someone like me, I find myself just wandering around going, well, hopefully I'll come to something that will trigger something in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it got really frustrating for me. So it took me sort of like a few attempts to really sort of try and push into it because I was getting frustrated and going, I'm not enjoying this game. I'm not enjoying it. There's something here, but I'm not enjoying it. And you know, there's lots of secret areas and time. So there's some areas in it as well where you're there and there's like, it's timed. So you've got to beat this area within a certain amount of time. Otherwise you fail it and you need to go back. Now, that's not a problem in and of itself, except the checkpointing is bloody atrocious. Oh, God. So instead of getting to this bit where, okay, this timed bit starts, let's checkpoint. No, it checkpoints back to an actual dedicated checkpoint area. So you need to go all the way through to get there again to then repeat. And the timed areas are designed to increase the difficulty, which is fine. Go for that if you want to do it. But then I'm... Back to where my checkpoint is going, do I really want to travel all the way back there just to die again? Yeah. It's like when you've got a, like, a really bad job and you're getting on the bus at the start of the day and you're like, oh, it takes me 45 minutes on the bus to get there. Then I'm there, I'm not enjoying it. Then it's 45 minutes. But you go, do I want to do that every day? It's, that's how I was feeling in the game. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like and there's no manual saves either um it's, it's like it's all either auto saving or at certain save points save points should not be a thing anymore i get why they was a thing in the ps1 era because you know you had to save it to a memory card it was all on disc there was no hard drives I get why that was a thing and why we had password saves and stuff like that. In the modern day, when we're trying to make games more accessible, manual saves at any point should be there. Allow it as an option. If you want the challenge, turn off, say like you can turn off manual saving. You can only save at set points. Give that as an option. But for accessibility, you need manual saves. It's a must. Um, and I'm saying this, I mean, I, I am really laying into this and I feel bad because it's well made. There's almost like, if you look at it as like a four-part game, there's four different parts of this game. Two and a half parts are really good. But then the remaining one and a half are so infuriating and so bad that it ruins the entire experience for me. Um, yeah. You know me, I don't like being horrible to a, an indie game. I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. But this, for me, no, didn't do it. Did not do it at all. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, sounds like that's a, a fundamental break in, in what should make it, you know, successful in, in any way. Yeah. Yeah, oh, um, especially as my time is limited with games yes. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to move straight through because, again, I don't want to keep you too long. But issues with my eyes and also my ADHD, and it's kind of all, all fitting in as to sort of like why I want to talk about this as briefly as possible. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm due to go back to the specialists in just over a week from time of recording. And they will look at sort of like how my right eye is now going. Is the bleeding gone enough? They can do the laser surgery or do I need another actual proper operation? And they'll likely certify me as partially sighted. But I need to know now what my future is looking like. Excuse the pun. And they're still up in the air as to whether I'll do the operation on my left eye uh, because I'm, you know, I'm completely blind in my left eye. But I mean, if you want to count 2% vision as having some sight, go ahead. But I'm completely blind in my left eye. So I get days where I can see enough and I will play games at that time. So I will try and fit them in because I enjoy doing it. The darker the game, the better because I'm not having to worry about bright lights everywhere. So Garden Story, I had to kind of really pick my moments to play. Sure. Yeah. But Seed of, Seed of Life and dark and uh, Deepest Chamber, dark. So I was able to get on with those to a degree. I think there's one of the reasons I think I picked up Seed of Life was I looked at the the um, the screenshots and they was all quite dark in nature. Yeah. Not, again, I don't mean dark in mood, just like they were darker backgrounds and colours. It wasn't like whites and everything at, at, like that burning my retinas and so yeah my time is limited with those but a lot of my time is now spent thinking and sat there going well I can't watch tv properly so I'll listen to a podcast or I'll just sit here um and an ADHD brain doesn't like just sitting um it has to do something and all my brain's doing is going, ah, if you wasn't an idiot and you didn't ruin your eyes, you could have played a game about now. You could have done this. Mm. Uh, by the way, I've got these really, really good ideas for, if you could see, you could do these. Do you know this video idea? Yeah, you could do this video idea. And do you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to tell you to go and note this down now. That would be sensible. You're going to re remember when your eyes are better that you had this really good idea, but you're not going to remember this good idea. And that's what I'm doing. I'm arguing with myself in my head whilst also coming up with really good ideas for things. Oh, what, oh, you know, in my head sounds like really good ideas. So it's going, but I want to do, like, I've got in my head that I want to do, um, really push ahead with a piece on women's sports representation in video games. Okay. I really want to do an article or video about that. I really want to do a video or an article about. ADHD accessibility in, in certain games, so hence the reason Seed of Life. That's what prompted that. I'm going to forget that in three weeks when I get some decent vision back for a, a, a little bit. And it's just, it gets so frustrating. And now I'm, you know, I'm rushing games. I'm rushing to play games. I'm going, I want to get this game played because if I don't play it now and my eyes don't get worse, I'm never going to get to play it. Sure. Um, so I'm going, I'm playing, going. So any little minor frustrations are really getting to me now. And um, yeah, it's just so frustrating that it's like, you know, my physical disabilities are really messing with sort of like my ADHD. Um, and yeah, just not knowing what to do with it now. And I'm not getting depressed. That that's I think my depression is fully under control at the moment. But it's this limbo state. It's still this limbo state. Because if someone turned around to me tomorrow, like specialists, and went, okay, look, there's no hope. Your vision's just going to get worse. You are actually just going to go blind. I'd be okay with that because I could plan around that. But at the moment, I've still got this thing of, I don't know where it's going. It is meant to be getting better. Mm. 
but I'm still getting these bleeds. Yeah. So am I getting better? Can I like? Can I continue to plan for what I want to do for the future? What jobs can I try and sort of like train for at the moment? It, that frustration then builds up, and that that's where a lot of people I don't think understand ADHD is as you get these frustrations, instead of talking them away, you just go. You're so constantly going, what can I do to plan around that? And instead of going logically with it, you're constantly thinking and trying to work out things that you just get everything building up at once, building up at once, building up at once. And you just get generally frustrated with things um, and frustrated with life. Not and Again, it's different to that depression side of frustrated with life where, you know, you just got that, don't want to do anything. I'm depressed. Um, I'm really suffering, don't want to see people, don't want to speak to people, that side of it. With ADHD, I'm going, I'm like, I'm kind of sitting there bouncing, going, I want to do something, I want to do something, I want to do this, I want to do this, I've got this good idea, I want to go out, I want to record this, I want to go out. We went to um, a little theme park in Canvey Island um, last Sunday with Edith. Like, it's the same for kids, like, uh, like four to nine years old. Um, it's just for something for Edith to do. Yeah. And I had to sit there um, <laughs> because I couldn't, do anything my as i walk around my eyes get worse during the day if i sit there all day they're fine um not fine but they're okay they're usable i can watch a bit of tv i can play some games soon as i get up and move around go shopping go out they get messed up and so i want to do these things i want to spend time but then i'm going i'm saying i shouldn't come out i don't think i can come out because it's not fair but then it sounds like i don't want to be out i do want to be out i want to be out i want to be doing things i want to work I say work, I don't think everyone should be forced to work unless it's important, but blah, 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 enough of that. I want to be working. I want to work in mental health. Or I want to, you know, do stuff with mental health gaming and really push forward with that. But I feel like this has stalled for the past six months whilst my health's been sort of all over the shop. And every little time it looks like that, oh, I now can, I get another setback. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to go out. No, I can't. I've got to sit here. So I sit here and I focus fully on sitting there. It's really weird to, like, to focus on just sitting and staying still and being lazy. Seems like it shouldn't be something that's hard, but it's really hard. It's really, really hard when all you're doing is going, I, I, I want to go sit at my computer and play a game. Or I want to get the switch. Or I want to go for a walk. I want to go to town for a coffee. Yeah. But I can't because going to town for a coffee will mean that for the rest of that evening, I'm blind. Yes. And it's, yeah, it's... I don't know I'm rattling on and rattling on, but basically that's generally what my days are like in my head. Yeah. Um, I've only, you know, extend that by 10 hours. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's so frustrating. I said, like, for anyone, if they are, I'm not at a place where I'm going, oh, do you know what, sod it, I wish I weren't here. I'm actually still very positive. And, and stuff like that but it's oh, the frustrations and if I do get better or even if I go the other way I think that's something I want to do I want to help other people who struggle with coming to terms with being in that limbo stage of the diagnosis yeah because I think that's often overlooked I agree yes definitely it must be incredibly frustrating you can't you know, dial back one thing, dial up another and work out what your future's going to be or mm. even start to shape it properly, like you say, and it's just waiting on that diagnosis, which is complete limbo. So, yeah, God, yeah, I can imagine it's absolutely nuts. Yeah, and so at the moment, I'm sat here at the computer recording and I can see enough 
But I'm going, do you know what? I could probably play a game today. Um, yeah. And I'm, but I'm also looking at it going, but I've already sat here for an hour or so. That's going to do some damage, isn't it? So maybe I shouldn't. And that's when we finish recording, that debate is going to rage in my head for the next hour or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even though I know the logical answer is take a break from the computer, my debate is going, yeah, you should. But if your eyes are going to get bad anyway later, you might as well play a game. But mm. then going, but playing the game might make them worse. So you shouldn't. But if they're, and that is constantly going. Um, and without a stew there to go, just calm down, <laughs> take a break from yourself for a second. You just continue doing that in your head. And it's so, and again, I think this is something, one of my ideas I've had as well. I'm, I'm going to say this because I want it because it's recorded. So you can always point me back or someone can always point me back to this episode if Stu doesn't cut it out. Um, he does that all the time. All my good ideas he cuts out. Oh, all the good gosh. bits. All the good bits. All my good bits Fair are cut okay. out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but I want to do more two camera or voice work just about ADHD, just more about what the brain is doing, what an ADHD brain is doing. Not talk about it and go, ah, you know, an ADHD person struggles to get places on time or that or an ADHD person has to prepare to leave a lot earlier than someone else with a normally functioning brain has to. People hear that all the time, but what does that actually mean? What's actually going through the brain at the time? So I want to be, when I do that, is to do something, whether it's the camera, whether it's just voice work or, or something like that, where I'm going, right, so I've got to go out. I've got to be somewhere by 3, 3 p.m. Right, I'm actually working this out uh, now. Right? It's it's 12 p.m. It's 12 p.m. the day before. I'm now planning in my head what I'm going to be doing for the next, like, God knows how many hours. Does what time I go to bed matter? Do I make sure I wake up in time? When I have my breakfast, my shower, I've got to make sure. I, and that's all going through my head. But you can't explain that in a normal, logical way. So I want to do stuff, a series that goes, what's actually in my ADHD head at any time? I I would <laughs> I would highly recommend. And it's, it's when you say it like that, it sounds like it's really horrible. You know, where do I go to do that? And how do I structure it? But there's a lot of TikTokers who do similar things. And yeah. I think it, that would be where you could fit in, and especially if you brought in the whole gaming thing into it, because there's a certainly following the algorithms that I have on TikTok, there aren't very many people either talking about games or talking about them in any kind of a depth. It tends to be the mm. Twitch community coming across and talking about what they play, and that's more about experiential games, you know, and it's it's very present focused and. You know, you can bring in the indie stuff, you bring in your knowledge of retro games, you can, you know, all that sort of stuff as well, and link it to the ADHD. I think it might be a really good platform for you. Yeah, I've never really, I, I still, I think I'm, this is where I'm getting old, Stu. This is how I know I'm getting old. <laughs> I don't get TikTok. Well, it is just like that. So people, turn, it, it, the way that it's turned into is it's often people just talking to camera about their lives. Well, that's certainly, again, yeah. that's what I get on my algorithm. I know that there's people who do, you know, loads of dancing routines and stuff, but... it That's what I thought it yeah. was, people who like dancing. And no, I've lost all of that, unfortunately. I, I kind of miss it, but, um, I, you know... I'll dance. No, I won't. I won't. I, don't, I don't can't do dance, and no, I won't Please dance. don't do that. It's my one rule in life, don't dance. It would dance. just be you, like, river dancing and then falling backwards out of your no. window. 
not a chance. No exactly. way. I don't dance for anyone. <laughs> I won't. I've, I've like my son's asked. Oh, this is really bad, isn't it? My son's asked me to dance at places. I will not dance. If there's anyone potentially looking at me, I will not dance. I cannot do it. Fair play. So don't do any dancing on the TikTok. But yeah, no, a lot of it is people just talking about their lives and lives that other people don't normally have a view into, you know, Um, which is what you want to do. You want to reach and extend the audience that's talking about mental health and talking about ADHD. So yeah, yeah, look into it. Give it a go. Fair enough. So I think what we should say now, because I've, I've, gone on for a bit and Stu just talks way too much I do way too much do I yeah Jesus I know but instead of complaining about it all I'm going to say is dry your eyes mate oh nice nice hour long callback that was perfection I can just imagine everyone at home doing that Antonio Banderas meme of putting the hand to the face in ecstasy at how good that was. That's it. That's class. Yeah, that, 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 that had been literally how I hadn't said that before because that's been there, right? At my front bit of my brain trying to escape out the entire show. I can just imagine that. <laughs> yeah. You go in, oh, da, 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 da. now I'm going to talk about such a, oh, dry your eyes, mate. <laughs> yeah, like some kind of weird Tourette. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah. yes, <laughs> if you've uh, if you've recovered from Brad's humour and me talking far too much, then you can go off and look at some of our other content. There's plenty of reviews, especially on the website. There's stuff on YouTube, very visible on Twitter. So follow us on all the socials. And for the next week and for forever, stay safe and stay sane. Mm-hmm.